It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome back to Who's On Worst on the D-Rays Bay Podcast Network, where we bring you discussions of some limited intelligence and some limited humor on the topic of the worst of the worst of baseball movies. Uh, as per usual, I am your host, Ashley McLennan. With me, as always, my co-host, Darby Robinson, and our intrepid producer, Brett Rutherford, who cuts in only to say hilarious things and then cuts back out immediately. But my entire goal in life is to make him laugh while he is muted. And if I achieve that at any point during a podcast, I have achieved greatness. We can add a I imposed a ding, a ding counter for like Brett laughs, <laughs> which also gives him more work to do, which is good. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so as promised in our last podcast, when we discussed angels in the outfield, um, we will not be ruining another childhood favorite this week. I'm sure there are still many left to ruin, but this week we will be talking about the third of the Kevin Costner baseball movie trifecta. For Love of the Game, directed, I did not realize, by Sam Raimi. What a baffling. I saw that. I was, I was almost fell out of my chair. That I would, never would have saw that coming. And after watching the movie, I never would have expected it. No, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a Sam Raimi movie unless you kind of count that it's very New York focused, which mm-hmm. is kind of entertaining for a movie about a Detroit pitcher. Darby, why don't you give us a quick breakdown of what this movie is about for those who do not know? As always, we'll do the the synopsis as written on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, 40-year-old pitcher Billy Chappell, played by Kevin Costner, is practically a dinosaur by professional baseball standards, fast approaching the end of his career. But as Chappell stands on the mound pitching the game of his life, his thoughts don't turn to his prized history in sports, but rather return again and again to his tumultuous relationship with Jane Aubrey, played by Kelly Preston, a single mom who has stood at his side through the good and the bad and is now on the verge of leaving him. That is that is indeed a summary of this movie. Yeah. So I don't know what you guys, I kind of view this as being two very mediocre movies in one, one much worse than the other. Uh, it mm-hmm. is a, a romantic drama because I wouldn't even fathom to to come close to calling this a romantic comedy. There is absolutely no humor in it whatsoever. Um, it is a romantic drama in flashbacks for the most part, and a decent sports movie in the the present tense. Um, so what we're seeing basically is that Billy is playing a very late September game against the Yankees in New York. Um, he's in very much the, the autumnal phase of his own career. Um, the owner of the Tigers has come to him the morning of the game and said, hey, you know, this is the first most ridiculous thing. You may have heard rumors that this is happening, but I, I sold the team yesterday. Sold the team. Yeah. Not that that's something that would ever come as a surprise because that's how selling baseball teams works is that you definitely won't hear anything about that in the foreground. Sneaky. And it doesn't have to go through a vetting Sneaky. process. 
and it doesn't have to be approved. You know, I feel like that might have been one kind of shortcoming of many in this script, but that is definitely not how selling baseball teams works. And can I also say, like, he made it sound like the new ownership that was planning on trading Billy Chapel, that would have been like a deal breaker for him in making this decision yeah, right. to sell a baseball team. That if he would have known that they were going to trade this aging, close to retirement pitcher, 40 year old pitcher, that that would have been nope, not happening. He would have not <laughs> sold the team. Not on them. my watch. That is wild. Um, I will say before we continue with kind of the summary, that was one of my favorite parts as a Tigers fan because I not only am a Rays fan, obviously, I'm a Tigers writer, I'm a big Tigers fan. Um, I laughed out loud when the owner of the team said I was going to leave the team to my kids, but they don't even like baseball, to which I said, you could not have a truer summary of how the Tigers currently operate. Because mm-hmm. obviously Mike Illich, the, the loving heart of all things Tigers, passed away and he uh, left the team to his son, Chris, who mm. could not care a lick about that team, as far as I can tell. Um, don't sue me, Chris Illich. That's just me supposing things. Um, but yeah, I thought that was pretty a pretty good laugh. So Billy is basically kind of told that he'll he'll be traded in the offseason to the Giants. I love that this really trade is already it, yeah. set up in <laughs> September for, for an aging pitch who has pretty much nothing left in the tank like how bad are the giants in this scenario but it kind of coincides with this meeting he was supposed to have with jane and she of the plainest of names is also the most boring of characters he meets up with her to park she's like surprise uh, i'm moving to london and i wanted to say goodbye peace out you don't need me you have baseball bye And he's like, WTF, this is news to me, something you maybe could have mentioned, I don't know, in any of our previous conversations, like when I was setting up a date that you stood me up for. And it's kind of revealed that they have a five-year history. And so then we move into like present time. And Billy is with his battery mate, Gus, as played by John C. Riley, Who's perfect for a catcher or potentially backup catcher kind of like an aging veteran he's got that like gosh who am i thinking Stephen vote yeah he was tiger there's a tiger's backup pitcher for a while who was just um he's now a manager and it's gonna gerald laird he's got a very like um i think the first time i watched this i was like damn that guy's really old to be playing a catcher he kind of is but like at the same time i'm watching it this time around i'm like you know it's not that bad like it doesn't stick out his glaring he's playing his little game boy on the plane and he's obviously very young at heart wandering around the hotel with his tiger's cap on as you know professional sports players love to do so we get into this game and it's it's gus and billy and gus has kind of got this this premonition kind of this vibe from billy that Mm -hmm. he's he's not feeling it his arm is hurting him it's been bugging him since they got to new york and he kind of gets the sense that like billy's on his last legs And Billy is kind of mulling it over in terms of his, you know, the team and everything he's been a part of for a 19-year career. It's all kind of coming to a close. And it's really kind of kicked him in the guts because Jane is leaving him and everything has been baseball. And now he's realizing that baseball could be the reason he loses what he loves most. Blah, 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 blah. Um, So we get kind of him going through this game in New York. And every inning, we also get a flashback that leads us through his, I I hesitate to use the term, but his romance with Jane. Um, And Darby, you made a really kind of interesting point about how that could have been done better, I think, when we were chatting about this in our our pre-chat. 
Well, you said that this is like two mediocre movies jammed into one. I think there's one okay movie and then a terrible romantic dramedy. And I think jamming them together makes a really bad film overall. Um, I did not enjoy this movie. Uh, It felt way longer than it was. But here's the thing that really annoyed me about it because Sam Raimi is a very good director and he's a really, like he knows how to compose scenes. He obviously knows how to tell stories. He's a great gifted storyteller. And the baseball stuff, I think actually on the mound in Yankee Stadium is pretty interesting. And the uh, narrative device, Mm -hmm. uh, which I guess is also the same in the novel that this was uh, based on, is that basically like, you know, each of the innings, like the innings of his life, it's like different periods in his life. And he's thinking about different moments. Um, There's a really cool scene where uh, this, one of the Yankees comes up to bat who used to be a teammate and they have a history and they flash back to like them at their house uh, and, and just chatting. And it's, there's like, there's such an interesting element here of going over a game, nine innings, nine sort of short vignette stories about this guy's long illustrious career and life and kind of exploring that and not just having it be essentially focused on like the romance part or make it a a romantic dramedy, but make the romance about baseball itself and the connections and family that you make with yeah. it, the friends that you make with it, the bonds that you make with it, the family that you make with it. Yeah, because I think even later in the movie, we get the scene where Billy's injured. Like he has a very beautifully perfect pitcher injury like a classic stupid pitcher off-season injury like falling through a barn roof or you know going quadding he is in his wood shop because of course (laughs) of course he is an off-season carpenter because why wouldn't you be when your money is in your hands and that scene by the way when when they showed the like uh the circular saw uh, or the table saw and him working there and knowing now at this point in the film that i'm like Sam Raimi directed this. That's crazy. I'm like, oh, there's going to be something. <laughs> this is going to be an opportunity to get some real fun, like Sam Raimi. Be- yeah. in, in case people don't know, Sam Raimi got famous for directing Evil Dead with yeah. with with uh, Bill Campbell, which this is Bruce, Bruce Campbell, which Campbell? which is like a great no budget, you know, college film that then became a cult classic, and then Evil Dead Two is incredible, and Evil Dead Three. Like th- these these were great films, and then he kind of was like a master of the like kind of not even be like D-list horror movie thing and like over the top grossness and really fun stuff in that regard. So I was like, this is a great opportunity to get like a, like a real, just a little bit, like just a, you know, a little, he knows how to do some fake blood. He's, it's, he's not his first rodeo. Um, and it's a solid amount of blood, but does not show the actual incident. just shows. No, really it's painted because he's obviously, yeah, but um, so, I mean, but like you're talking about, I think, even feel like that moment in his career would have been a great flashback like Mm -hmm. that part of him kind of coming back from that and dealing with that but because the framework of the flashbacks is all based in the romance aspect instead of making billy kind of look compassionate and like like somebody you feel for in that moment as oh this could be it this could be me losing everything 
they turn him into this absolute monster, which I think is what we can discuss it later on as we kind of get into it. But like he genuinely becomes like an insufferable bag of shit. Pardon me for saying it. And he like he becomes almost like borderline violent. Like there's a point where he like throws all of her stuff on the ground and like a pretty like crazy gesture. He's screaming at people, throwing towels at people like and I think that had they played that, like with him feeling uncertain and all of that without the Jane aspects of it, I think it would have made him a lot more sympathetic. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, by the time that part of the movie was finished, I thought she was an idiot for ever considering seeing him again, like let alone the, the way that the finale operates. So this film, this entire film, it is so much centered around the relationship between Billy and Jane. It is so centered on Kelly Preston and Kevin Costner. Yeah. And it's so centered on that, that you desperately, desperately, desperately need to care about this relationship. And you do not. It is impossible to do. It is just impossible. Now, I will say this. We are going to kind of tear in a little bit to Kelly Preston. Rest in peace. RIP, yeah. Uh, she is she is not cast yeah. well in this, right? Like she is miscast because this this role is we're gonna talk about the writing later, because I think it's also very poorly written as well. Oh, yeah. And like that character in particular, I think is really poorly written. That's the biggest the flaw is this character is nothing to work with, but also as an actress, I don't think there's much there, but you could maybe, if you were a more charismatic actor, maybe you could at least make somebody care about this. And that's that's a big problem. Yeah, there's like zero chemistry between them None. two. Like negative chemistry. There's just like, a, a, like, they are pushing apart. Like this is, I yeah. never bought it for a second. The, the meat cute of the film is weird, is super weird. Yeah, I, and it would never play now. Like the, the fact that like, you could mm. never pull that meat cute off now because I'm sorry. So what happens is he's driving in his rental Porsche, because of course mm-hmm. he is. And he's pulling across this bridge and he sees this woman in her cute little 90s short skirt and she's kicking the shit out of a car. I'm so sorry, Brett. It's a I've I've forgotten my internal filter. Um, the beeps will be fast and furious for you, but I'll try to keep them to the first 20 minutes of the show. Uh, she's kicking the heck out of this car. And he's like, oh, isn't that adorable? This violent woman who can't, you know, control an automobile. I should pull over and help her. Um, And so the second he gets out of his car, looking like an absolute D-bag right on his way from like a yacht regatta Mm -hmm. of some kind with his like (laughs) beaded shorts and his windbreaker and his A meeting with PJ and Squee. Like, yeah, exactly. Little socks pulled up. And uh, he's been golfing. We find that out prior to that. But he's, he pulls over like he's going to be like the knight in shining armor. <laughs> and uh, she immediately, and this is the only thing that's realistic to today's audience, immediately is like, no. She's yeah. like, hands up. A fair up, reaction. A fair no. reaction. Like, get away from me. Uh, I also don't know why she's kicking the car when she's already clearly called a tow truck, but like, yeah. <laughs> Far be it for me to I question even think this, about that. this I script. Think about that. It's fine. But yeah, she's just like outright like, no, I don't want your help. Get away from me. And I'm like, yes, that is the correct mm-hmm. response when a man who looks like he has a private yacht that he could throw you overboard from pulls up <laughs> next to you. 
You do not trust the man in the Porsche, and you certainly never trust a man in pleated shorts. (laughs) (laughs) Two strikes. Two strikes. Just just don't do it. It's not good. These are life life lessons I pass on to the women. Yeah, that's the setup, right? Is that like already it's like this is weird. He's acting like a like a jerk. She's rightfully like, uh, no, thank you. Until the the tow truck guy arrives and also is like kind of acting like a like a kind of little chauvinist jerk. Yeah. Until the guy recognizes that that's Billy Chapel. And also, this is a huge moment of script failure, too, because this guy who lives in New York, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this guy is either, and he strikes me, I'm not going to lie to you, this guy strikes me as a lifelong Mets fan. Oh, interesting. I I feel like this guy is used to, like, abuse and real (laughs) torture because he came out there and he's like, lady, if this car ain't broken, I'm breaking it. Um, (laughs) That man has a Mets vibe to me. But regardless of that... I feel that a New York, this guy's New York, Mm -hmm. New York, would not be fawning over. And at this point, just for clarification, the Tigers were still in the AL East. So this is division rivals with the Yankees were, I I don't think he'd be like, Billy Chappell, Billy Chappell, you're the greatest pitcher in all the known universe. Like, oh my God, I love you so much. I'm like, no, no, no. He would be like, hey, I'm going to go slash your tires if you just want to go talk to this lady a little bit longer. This would have been a good opportunity, again, if this was a comedy, which it is not. It is definitely not a comedy. This is the opportunity where the New York, like, tow truck driver is like kind of insults Billy Chapel, but then it, it but that's how you reveal that he is a famous pitcher. Yeah, like is the guy ribbing him a little, friendly like, ribbing, yeah, yeah like a good was, a good New York cheer of like you know my like, lady on a date and you like pitched a no hitter like you yeah. struck out my guy and he was on his way to the batting title like how dare you? But, but instead, no. instead, I will say this: this is a very Kevin Costner sports movie thing. Is that the Kevin Costner character is amazing? And oh, yeah. everybody loves that Kevin yeah, Costner everybody. character. That's that's a that's the problem there. Is that a good opportunity to have a good-natured ribbing of yeah. Billy Chapel? Be like, remember when the Yanks th- hit three bombs off of you the last time? And he's, well, it's and, you know, in the hotel where he's running after Jane's character. The guy, like the bellhop, is like, "Go easy on our guys today, Billy." And I'm like, "Yeah, that's no." Well, yeah. What Yankees ever like? <laughs> had, what Yankee fan has ever like lacked confidence in the? Yeah. Like, oh no! As beautifully beautifully exhibited in the crowd noises at Yankee Stadium Mm -hmm. when you first see Billy get to the mound because it is precisely and I hope everybody is as intensely online as I am and knows exactly what gif I'm talking about when I say Yankees fan gif because it's it's any you guys you guys know I know you know and if not just just google Yankees fan gif and And it'll be the first it'll be the first one that man is probably in his 40s now and I hope he never ever forgets that that is his only moment of fame (laughs) (laughs) he is the the face of Yankees fandom Mm -hmm. um but yeah they they capture the crowd perfectly this guy's yelling how much he sucks and Mm -hmm. Billy gets on the mound he's like well you sure know when you're in new york and i'm like yes this is how yankees fans should be treating you because they don't like you and that's it um they should have been throwing batteries at him from the outfield i mean if it was a real yankees stadium you know experience (laughs) i do actually like the way they treat his mound appearances totally like darby was saying the the baseball part of this movie is a step up from mediocre i think it's and we will talk at length about the writing of this movie 
because holy it all comes into the romantic part and that's we'll, yeah. we'll focus on that but like we i think we should do the baseball first because this it's good it's solid solid the writer of this movie i think actually does like baseball mm-hmm. i i don't know her personally and this is the only sports movie she's ever written and i emphasize her pronouns here she it only because of something we'll talk about later with with Jane specifically, but she's very clearly, if not a sports fan, somebody who has lovingly researched and really glommed on to baseball because the baseball scenes in this movie are accurate. Um, They feel real. They got Vin effing Scully to do the like broadcast booth thing on this acting as if he, you know, is a Yankees broadcaster um and like i actually made a note reading watching this movie and asked if vince gully got to do his own script um, i was wondering that too <laughs> i was wondering that too it felt very authentically vin so it was a very vin like tone perfect vin especially towards the end when billy's down to like his last two mm-hmm. um two batters there's a point where he talks about it being one more day of summer and i'm like damn if vin didn't write this roger angel did because like this was that was just chef's kiss brought a tear to my eye because i could feel like i was watching the game and feeling that like that was quintessential vin scully so i feel like he might have ad-libbed it <laughs> The only thing I have to say about the the broadcasters, and it's like if you have uh, Vin Scully and was it Steve Lyons? Steve Lyons pants fell down one time in a game. Um, <laughs> that's what he's known for in broadcasting, which he doesn't do anymore. Um, anyways, so if you've got those guys, like yeah, you've got to use them. It looks like they also had the rights to use like the Fox graphics and presentation, mm-hmm. so they've got mm-hmm. to make use of it. But it was like something would happen in the field that Billy would like be talking about because he was talking like he was explaining what was happening. We would get some um, dialogue from the batter, like the one guy who he didn't like that tried to bunt to get on base at one point in the game. Like they would describe what just happened. And then Vin Scully would then re-describe it. So now we've yeah. seen it. It's been described by the characters. And then Vin Scully, one more time, lays it on you for, for, for a third time. I think the perfect example of that is when like Vin Scully's talking about how... So spoiler alert, the entire conceit of the game part of this is that Kevin Costner's character throws a perfect game. Like So the entire mm-hmm. game is him kind of throwing this game, but because he's so in his head about the relationship, he's throwing a perfect game and doesn't even realize it until like the seventh inning. Mm-hmm. Uh, in spite of the fact that every single person on his like bench is sitting 300 feet away from him, um, as one does in a perfecto, mm-hmm. but he doesn't seem aware of it because he's so in his own little mind bubble. But there's a scene, just like Brett says, where Vin's like, oh, yes, but the thing of real note here is that there hasn't been any kind of base runner of any sort. And like zero hits, zero runs, zero (laughs) errors. And then three seconds later, Costner walks out onto the mound and he turns around and looks at the board. We spent a, I kid you not, solid 60 seconds spanning our view across the scoreboard. (laughs) All the zeros. All the zeros that Vin Scully has just clearly laid out to us were none there's none and then that's of course the moment where billy's like hey uh did uh has anybody uh been on base yet and i'm like i don't know man you've been here for the whole game see that i liked that so i i hated how so first of all that vin like line i it pained me because i felt like vin had that was not him that was definitely a script because like vin would be like 
I would never just be outright jinxing a, a perfect oh, he game perfect blatantly. Like six times he like, like was never. saying the perfect word. Like, yeah. no, Vin would never, never do that. ever. Vin would do it in a very colorful way to like yeah. express that. But I love, I actually really enjoyed, I thought the entire, the be- you know, one of the best relationships in the movie is, is uh, Billy Gus and, and Billy, Gus. Yeah. yeah, I think that, that relationship worked entirely. The biggest problem with the movie for me is it didn't have more of that. Like, yeah. I actually think the thing with Kevin Costner movies a lot of times is that he really does work best in these sports movies with like other men and relationships yeah. with men and like bonding and friendships and no, yeah, well, I mean like Tim Robbins and Bull Durham and exactly like I Kevin Costner's hardest part for me in these sports movies are with romantic relationships because I just don't I do not buy it. It's weird. Like I mean, again, no, there Kevin Costner is a very handsome man, still is. I just don't think like he is having as much fun doing the romantic part as he is doing the sports part. Well, it's like watching The Rock play a romantic lead. It just doesn't feel right. And so like him and Gus, perfect. Great chemistry. And I love that, that little interaction where he's like, hey, Gus, has anybody been on first? Yeah. And he's nope. like, nope. That was and cute. And just a little wry smile. Perfect. You don't need Vin saying that. You, yeah. you like, please, the audience is not that we dumb. You can, they can get it. They can get it. it out. But yeah, so we're talking a little bit about how well done the scenes are kind of in the game. And aside from kind of like Brett said and like Darby just said, kind of really overdoing it with like bashing you on the head with how baseball works, it is a lot better done than I think we've seen in a lot of other games. Like a, way better than anything like the scout where, you know, you would literally never see Brendan Fraser with a ball in his hand. Like mm-hmm. Kevin Costner obviously is a man who loves baseball. He would not have been in three baseball movies if he didn't love baseball. He clearly like understands the base mechanics of what pitching looks like. And there are scenes where you see him throw a ball. And I think that that's, I mean, obviously he's not doing the pitching, but like you see the aspects and the physicality of all of that. And you see the wear and tear on his face. You see it all. But I think what works really well, surprisingly, is his little monologues on the mound. Great. Because obviously I think you need to have a way for him to express that internal dialogue that he's going through and that way of processing the the battle that goes on between a pitcher and a batter, the way that you know, you're fighting off your, your catcher when he throws you signs that you don't want. Obviously, a real pitcher is not going to be saying that stuff out loud, but he's just up there. You know, hold on. I have a, I have a theory. I have a, an observation because I said the only thing that reminds me of is I feel like that is 100% what Max Scherzer does on a day-to-day basis, just that Scherzer does it with way more swearing. Mm-hmm. Like, I guarantee you he's out there, like, telling a whole story every time somebody's up against him and he's like, you mother bleeping, bleepity bleeping, I'm going to bleep you out. And then he does because he's Max Scherzer. Billy, Billy Chapel's a little bit more reserved, but if you know, he's he's telling people not to crowd the plate and he's mm-hmm. telling Gus that the slider or like the, the curveball is going to hurt him. So he's only throwing heat. And he just kind of that, I think, is hand holding the audience, but in a way that is good storytelling. It's great storytelling. It's great storytelling. It's great character work because this, like, this. This guy is so passionate about baseball and he's so into it that he is, he know he's talking it all out. He is like walking it through. And I do think that feels like true to form. Like there are uh, like Liam Hendricks and Grant Balfour, maybe it's an Australian thing. They are always talking to themselves on the yeah. mound. They're saying stuff again, probably a lot of curse words. 
uh, as we saw mic'd up in the all-star game as well. Oh, um, chef's kiss. The, but like, the, you know, there you got to get to a certain point, you know, mentally, but you also, like, there is a strategy part. And so I love the idea of him talking about like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm only going heaters. Like, and just again, to himself and talking about like, like, oh, this, like this batter, like I just, I, I hate this guy. Like, oh, he's taken over my plate. Like, that's mine. That's my part of the plate. I'm going to throw that there. And I thought it was so good. Like I, it was, it was maybe a little corny, but like in yeah. the perfect way that like a sports movie should be like, it was yeah. the right kind of corny. It was the right kind of stuff. And it felt true to this character, this character that's, that's been around for 19 years. He knows so much about the game. He knows what like each he has so much history with all of these characters that he can talk about. Like, you're going to want that. You're like, you're not going to expect me to throw first pitch. You're, you're, you, you're going to think I'm going to throw the curveball because yeah. you don't, I don't want to challenge you because of this. I'm going to do this that way. I, I loved that, that idea yeah. of like the talking through, like, you think I'm going to do this. So I'm actually just going to do that because you don't think I'm going to actually do that. You think it's, it's like the, the princess bride type of like yeah the little mental game of baseball it's it's great though but that is the that is the parts of baseball that i really always love the the pitcher hitter dynamic of like fastball then another fastball then like are you gonna go triple is it gonna go to the curve is he gonna go in is he gonna out and like talking through all that i just it, that stuff it brought a smile to my eye like that stuff i will say i did not like this movie but like those are the elements that i think really make me frustrated with this movie because like those elements worked really well. There are so many small diamonds in this pile of coal that I'm like, it's so disappointing because I'm like that. Oh, there's something here. You I got, cried like, twice watching this movie. This has some great moments. The, I, this is actually, because we we're talking about baseball, the ending, the, the ninth inning is I think going to be maybe the best uh, scene that we watch in this entire series. Agreed. Like that is perfect. Perfect sports movie, like emotion. Like that is a really, really good sequence. I'm in it. Like I am emotionally in it. I am, I will be devastated if he gives up a hit. Oh, I've yeah. never seen this movie before as well. So I don't know what's going to happen. Like I was very nervous for a brief moment that he was going to leave the dugout and go find Jane. I know. In the, I was like, do not, do not summer catch up. Yeah, you're not summer, summer catch, summer catch us. but he doesn't he doesn't so he stays in the gate which is great i was like that would be really annoying and i would hate this movie forever but like that ninth inning where it's just going through the people that he 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 goes and it and, and it weaves all of the narrative of the baseball stuff together so i we should actually go through that because i think that that's yeah i also thought that that last out real quick before we break everything down I was nervous with that last batter because this moment was foreshadowed. Yeah. This kid probably not going to play today. He was play. getting called up. The whole movie is about Billy mm-hmm. retiring. And it's like, is he going to give up the hit to, on his Somebody's last batter that he'll ever face? So he he's never seen no. before. And it's the son of somebody he used to, who was on his team. He used to play it's, with, yeah. It's I'm like, he's going to give up the hit here. And so it I was, it wasn't work. like a given to me. Like, it would be the yeah. only place that it would be allowable because it would be like the opening of a new chapter for the kid and the mm-hmm. closing of Billy's. Right, right. But at the same time, I, I think that it, in a movie that is ostensibly about romance to take the romance out of that moment, because I think there were two love stories distinctively in this movie. Mm-hmm. One, <laughs> Poorly done. A good one. <laughs> a good one, one and a bad one. <laughs> poorly done was between Billy and Jane, but I think the the more important one 
was between him and baseball. Mm -hmm. And it is really about him finishing that one romantic chapter and then opening another one because it's been baseball that's kind of kept him from being able to commit completely. He even has that little speech at the end where he says that basically, where he's like, you know, give your all to everything if you want to be good at it. And the only thing I never gave my all to was you. Um, I write romance novels and I hated that. Um, just to be clear. So, but let's talk <laughs> about the game. Um, there were two really good moments. We talked about like where at the end, obviously I did tear up when he like got there and everybody was emptying the, the dugout and, you know, Gus was about ready to like carry him off to the moon and all that. But I think before that, there was a really good moment that made me very happy and brought a little glimmer to my eye. And that was number 24, whose name number stuck out because obviously it's Miguel Cabrera's number now. Um, the uh, the left fielder um, making the big catch to rob a home run because mm-hmm. one of the flashback moments that wasn't about Jane was kind of Gus and Billy chuckling about the time that Hart, that was the character's name, um, really, really gaffed a uh, catch in Fenway. He Jose Canseco'd it. Yeah, it bounced off his head and then somebody caught it on the bounce. Um, And Billy kind of like showed his old schoolism where he's just like, you can let them make you the joke or you can go out there and hold your head high and don't let them make you a joke. And that's kind of showed who his character was Mm -hmm. to his fellow people, his fellow players. Um, And so, of course, the perfect conclusion to that very micro story is that Hart caught this and so I, I think what we were seeing in those little moments of his team kind of rallying for him as he lost strength was a conclusion to the way that he helped all of them along the way kind of find their path in baseball. It's it's not a poorly constructed narrative. I'll give it that. Like it's obvious, and there's mm-hmm. nothing like subtle about any part of it. But the way she's written the story is that you do get these periods at the end of sentences that make sense and kind of give you a sense of closure to that baseball chapter of Billy's life. And and that works so it works so much better than the main plot of the movie, which takes up so much of the oxygen. And that's what makes it really frustrating because you you get that resolution, that that full closure, that character growth. For, for Hart, the outfielder, who makes a huge dynamic catch to s- preserve the perfect game. So now he is not just remembered as a joke for that one, like, error. He now has, like, a moment, a highlight for him. Great. There's there's getting getting out his old friend. It, there's getting out the rival, Tuttle, who tries to bunt on him. Uh, tries to pull that, crowds the plate. The best part about Tuttle was his attitude to the ump. Like, I feel like you have to watch baseball to get that part right. Like, where he's like, it was a little inside, wasn't it? Well, it was outside. He's like, really like calling the balls and strikes a little off. And I think that umpire wanted to slug him one. Um, but that was this, isn't there like a line there where he like, where even Billy's like talking about like the fact that the umpire like won't like that. Like he's going to get like, like there's something yeah. I like those, those dynamics work well. And then again, ending it with the last out being the pinch hitter of the kid. He has this little interaction with earlier. He just gets called up for a cup of coffee and it's that like bookend ending of a career, beginning of a career that you're like, Oh, when, when you see that character again, cause you, you forget about him after that interaction, you see that character again in the dugout and you're like, Oh, Oh, I see what's going to happen. And then you see him again. You're like, Oh, he's going to come in. 
he's gonna like and like brett said like this is i, I was like preparing myself i was like oh right. i i see what's gonna happen here but it i think what's great too for the sports part is that either way i think it actually works i think it works best that he completes it but but i do think that you can still land that good narrative with him with the with the kid getting the hit but I, I think both ways. I think the fact that you can write that in to like get that ending where it's not like an obvious. I feel like they probably filmed both endings. Maybe. Yeah. I, I can also see the audience being like, hated it. <laughs> Kevin Costner wins. You know, like they had an ending version where the kid mm-hmm. got the hit and then they showed that to test audiences and they were like, no. <laughs> and I don't appreciate that that was how things went. Yeah. I think you have to be a baseball fan to really get why that would have been okay but uh, yeah it's it's it, it works both ways and that's what's beautiful about yeah. it like that's where where they got to that moment i was just like very very happy and then like that's how that would be a like a really great end of the movie i would have like walked up and like you know that was not bad that was that wasn't the best but then there's like 15 more minutes because then it's like there has to be like a scene at the airport with jane and so no the, he has to have a full effing breakdown in his hotel room it's the worst. It's the worst. Everything post baseball, everything off the diamond with Jane or around Jane or about yeah. Jane is terrible. It is terrible. Terrible. Yeah. So before we jump jump on the hating Jane train, uh, let's take a really quick break. Uh, steal ourselves, gather our rage into one nice tidy little Jane bag, sucks, and then come back and talk about one of the worst written female characters in a sports movie ever. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So um, over our little break while you were listening to whatever commercial that was, um, we had a little chat about Ted Lasso because that's what people do in in the world. And um, even though Brett and I haven't seen it, so Darby really just told us how great it was. Um, but the, the point being is that Ted Lasso is a wonderfully written show. Uh, it is hilarious and funny and has characters you care about. And to lead us back into the discussion about For Love of the Game, uh, it is the opposite. It is the opposite <laughs> of that. Um, this is a... And I, I hesitate to say that it is a terribly written movie because we just talked about how good the baseball stuff is and about how well... Darby, can you look up the writer's name for me? Yes, I have uh, it right here. It's like Dana something, I think. Dana Stevens. Dana Stevens Dana wrote this. Stevens. Uh, all by herself. Props, Dana. Um, she's the only it's, credited writer that I could see on this. But It's um, adapted from a, a Mike, uh, Michael... Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a book by... Uh, Michael Shara. So I don't, I don't know how much, especially of the dialogue, was lifted directly from that book. I have not, and will never read it. Um, no offense, Michael. I'm sorry, but I did not like this movie <laughs> enough for it to inspire me to move the opposite direction. Um, but for a competently written sports movie, the romance half of this, which I would argue probably timeline wise, takes up 
two thirds of this movie because mm-hmm. it is a two hour and 13 minute movie, which nothing Too that long. is a romance dash something film should ever aspire to be. Thank you. Tight 90. Um, <laughs> but wow. Wow. There are a lot of things to talk about with the writing of that part of it and specifically the character of Jane. Um, so we talked a little bit about the meat cute, which was awkward and really frustrating. Um, but Jane, I, and I feel like this is something the youths of today, if we have any youths listening to our podcast, I don't know what our demographic is. Hello, demographic. Uh, I think it's roughly 40% all of the writers at D-Rays Bay. Um, so <laughs> Brian. Hello, masshead. Bless. Um, I hope you take to heart my, my warning about men in pleated pants. I say this, I say this like truly though, like out of all the shows we do, like in terms of, not in terms of like listenership, but like, I think the people that listen to this show, like love it more than any of the other shows that we do. It's got, it's got a real cult following. Some, any of our, my, my Twitter followers, I know I have quite a few Twitter followers that listen to these episodes religiously and bless your hearts for listening to us blather on about things at length. Um, I will say Jane is, as we talk about demographics, she is a pick me. That is the word that we, the phrase mm. that we use these days, um, which means she has real pick me energy. Uh, and if you are unfamiliar with that phrase, you will perhaps be familiar with the concept of I'm not like other girls kind of girl, which is the previous generation's iteration of this. Um, she is insufferable. Um, when she, she, I think she be, starts out, we're trying to like, like her, right? Billy invites her to attend a game. She feels awkward being put in the wives section, which is not a real thing. It is the friends and family section. She would not just be restricted to hanging out with the wives. They do have an entire area. I have gotten, to, but at an away game, no, you, I would, yeah. I've gotten, yeah. I think it's a mix. Honestly, I feel like really? I've okay. gotten to sit in the friends and family section at Dodger stadium oh, okay. and it's big like it's a fairly large area um and you're not like crammed right in like you know there's it's a designated zone um so i feel like you would not just be two rows of wives giving you the the dirty stink eye also don't understand that like the implication there from the way that they kind of looked at her and giggled is that billy brings in a new girl every week Mm -hmm. that was really the way that that read and that is not at all the way Billy's character is established at any other point in that movie. It's not. And I feel like if you wanted to make that the case. That's okay. That like Billy, yeah, but like it's never established. No. The only established is the the wives uh, basically being like, oh, here comes the other, here comes another yeah, Billy and his blondes they, or whatever, I think is like a line. But like, that's it. Which was said by a blonde woman. Yeah. Like, and like, it, yeah. that's it. And that's all we get. We don't ever see him kind of with another girl. We don't see anything else. The only other time, uh, the only, uh, we we'll do. get there. We'll <laughs> get there. And I thought that was actually the way he handled the, that interaction, I thought was actually really well done. Like the other girl yeah. was not made a villain there. Um, no. So entirely. I even have notes about that, about yeah. like how, like. <laughs> How he, how he is not in the wrong Yeah, so we there. see her kind of awkward, kind of wanting to leave the game. I'm very curious as to where she got a very expensive Tiger's Windbreaker in New York City. Um, I mean, we've seen similar ones in Billy's locker throughout the movie, but I still don't know that he would have been like, hey, let me run off to my hotel and get you a jacket before the game. That timeline doesn't read either. So 
that jacket is a mystery to me. I feel like that was a bold move on her part, showing up to Yankee Stadium in a giant Tigers jacket for her first live baseball game ever. You are inviting some very... She didn't know. She didn't know what the environment Very rude comments to yourself in that particular situation. Um, but so that's, I think, where we're supposed to feel a lot of sympathy towards Jane. She's like, oh, fish out of water, doesn't really understand this environment, doesn't really grasp, I think, how famous Billy is, how, you know that relationship dynamic will work so then they have a one night stand potentially one night it's a great lovely evening and he says i'll be back in four weeks meet me at the bar downstairs and she goes on this big rant about don't ruin it don't not show up blah 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 and then she stands him up but then shows up at the very end of the window as he's leaving and goes on the most bizarre thing about how she's not like how he thinks she is. And she's really boring and not exciting. She's like a, a cosmetics like writer for Elle magazine or Allure or something, which is not a boring job. That's kind of cool. Um, which I thought was cute because you see Billy kind of reading the magazine article she's writing mm-hmm. and like suggesting exfoliants to Gus, which was a very cute side. Like if you were doing a rom-com, that was shit. Great, great that setup. Yeah, great setup. Perfect. Um, but then she just goes on this like hyper freaked out, not sure like what to do. And the, so he walks her home. And you're not going to watch this movie anyway. So none, none of this is like, I'm, I'm going point by point, but nobody should watch this. So that's fine. Just watch the ninth inning of the, of the game and then mm-hmm. cut it all down. So he walks her to her door and she goes on the most insanely unhinged, not rant, but just like she explodes in this discussion of how their relationship will be. Cause he's like, I'll be back next month. And setting up rules. She's just like, okay, great. So now we don't have to care about what anybody does. Well, you're on the road. You do your thing. I'll do my thing here. Mm-hmm. Nothing will matter. No judgment. I don't want to know about it. You don't need to know about what goes on in my life. And I'm honestly kind of surprised that Billy was like a plus great. Cause everything leading up to that moment made it feel like he was very into her and just her. And like, but he's like, that sounds awesome. Okay, cool. So basically they have from the get-go. So I, I have a note, I have a note from that too. I just have a note in here in my notes that says she doesn't want any of those rules. No. <laughs> it just it was like no calling, no obsessing, no worrying, no like judgment. And I was just like, she doesn't want any of the the person that just had that didn't show up to the date. Yeah. And then had like a crazy, like frantic rant where she's like clearly had some mental yes. stress about this. Does not want to be a in casual, an open, casual, every, no strings no. attached, no feelings. Absolutely not. I'm like, are you? She's like, because she freaked out over a one night stand and then showed mm-hmm. up at his hotel after standing him up to be like, I'm not like that. That's by mm, this one, mm, the dialogue. That's not how I screw as I <laughs> threw up in my mouth because that's not words that humans say to one another. Um, it, <laughs> it's a very, it's weird because, okay, so this is the biggest problem. The meet cute didn't work for me. The first date didn't work for me. The second date, four weeks later, does not work for me. And there's all these red flags. So right now, I don't get it. I don't get this relationship. I don't understand. I'm not seeing that Billy is like this. 
I do not see this character as like somebody that Billy, who apparently is like a, you know, confirmed bachelor Rich, type. handsome, famous. like, I don't want any of it. But also he doesn't even say that. So that's the biggest problem for me. Yeah. Is that if he is into these rules and like the whole idea would be that like, for some reason, Jane, this character is making him like question like, whether he wants to keep doing this life that he's yeah. doing, right? That's a, that's the normal narrative of this. Is that like suddenly I like this woman yeah. so much that I'm going to like, I kind of am feeling like I don't want to just keep dating. Around. Like, and that's the thing. That's like the normal, like you grew up, you, you're you not like, a, like a, a kid playing baseball anymore and just like string of one night stands in different towns. You're like, I'm a grown up. I really do want to find somebody that can build a connection and grow in life great that is a very mature thing but that's not what billy like she he agrees with the rules yeah he's like but a plus i don't get it i just don't get it like there's no i have not seen enough that sh- suggests that this woman is worth it and billy <laughs> have any kind of like connection or chemistry to be like yes i no this is literally their second time spending any time together and she's stood him up and she spent most of it yelling and crazy and went off the and, rocker like, waving red flags in his so face. then we get like a little <laughs> montage of how great their time together is it seems like it's been going on through the off season um and then we get spring training and mm-hmm. one inexplicably they've put lakeland florida near a beach right on the coast beautiful coastline um, of lakeland now florida i grant you only one of us in this channel lives in florida um but <laughs> i have driven the width of florida there and back in a day to go see a baseball game i have lived in in riverview i been through lakeland many times and i stopped in lakeland during my road a road trip once did you hit up the beach <laughs> i did the coastal the coastal town lakeland coast um <laughs> it's like I've, it's in the name it's in the name as well by the way uh, it's not ocean coast uh, it's it's not ocean land no um so Gulf of Mexico, sunny, beachy (laughs) Lakeland. Um, And he decides that he wants to invite her to hang out at his cabana in beachy Lakeland. Um, And for spring training, if you were playing for the Phillies who are in Clearwater. Yeah. Like even Dunedin with (laughs) the Blue Jays. Like there are so many places that there's this beachy vibe. Not Lakeland. Not Lakeland. Why don't you go to Google Maps for all of our (laughs) non-Florida like listeners and just drop a pin anywhere in Lake. Just type in Lakeland, Florida, and then just drop Lakeland a pin street a, view and then spin it around. It is possibly closer to a beach than Winnipeg is, but I don't I don't know. <laughs> possibly. Actually, don't know that that's possibly, true. I can maybe. drive to a really big lake yeah. very quick. Anyway, I digress a lot on this podcast. You're all used to it. My point being is that Billy invites Jane to come hang out at spring training, and she's like, No, I think we should stick to the rules. One of the rules she actually rules she definitely doesn't want. He was very much out of it. Definitely doesn't want. I think we should stick to the rules. Gets mad at him for inviting her to Lakeland, and they end up. She just hangs up on her because she's being absolutely ridiculous. I am saying that as like somebody witnessing this relation, she's being ridiculous, and so he's kind of miffed at the the way things turn around. And his masseuse comes over, and she's a hot lady, and she's giving him a massage and clearly that massage ended in a happy ending and it goes right to it i was like wait is this happening because then the, is that what they're telling us the next scene we get is 
Jane showing up at his door, having not told him she is coming, um, mm-hmm. having been very prepared in that all she brought was a toothbrush and a bathing suit she bought at the airport, which I will earmark for you guys right now because I'm going to bring something up in a minute that we haven't discussed yet that really puts that lack of preparation and concern and any kind of awareness and planning into real perspective. Um, but anyway, the the hot masseuse comes down the stairs. She's like, Billy, can I borrow your hair? Your air, can your air, whatever the hair blow dryer? Wow, I'm a terrible woman. <laughs> your hair, yeah, blow dryer, blow dryer, conditioner. Yeah. Wow, okay, your blow dryer. <laughs> And she's in her underwear and a crop top. Mm-hmm. And then Jane's obviously furious because the rules that she established have been followed to the T. I, um, it's, and I, I just, I get the idea of like being upset. upset. Yes. But also, he didn't. What the hell? You, how can you be mad? You, yeah. you well, made the rules. She storms <laughs> off. Your car and he follows her and she's like yeah you i you made the rules and she's like obviously i was lying and i'm like yes that's um that's sensible that's how that is a not help by the way that is a not healthy yeah. relationship thing especially early in a relationship so much not healthy up, about this relationship set up a trap yeah. basically let's make some boundaries they, for our long distance relationship and then i will tell you six months from now I lied about those and now I'm furious with you for following them but that is the point I made this note wherein after she said I am lying obviously because that's what I did I said god this script is unbearable this was definitely a woman written by a man at which point I looked it up and realized holy shit, this was written by a woman and I'm still not over it because this is the perfect example, except for talking about how like perky her boobs are at some point, this could not be a better example of a woman being written by a man. Like. I was shocked. I was legitimately. So I, I usually while I will watch these with, with my wife, Lucy and our friend, uh, Aaron. And so we get a nice like banter going during these movies, which is great. Cause it, I just steal all of their best lines and make, everybody think I'm funny. <laughs> um, so basic, but we all were like, like an agreement. Like it wasn't like a, Oh, we should look this up to see if this is a man. It was like, it's a hundred percent a man. Like this is the most like male centric, just like complete, like afterthought female lead character to be like, what do we need? I don't know. She's attractive. And uh, she doesn't know baseball, obviously. Uh, and then she, she wants things, but then she doesn't want things, you know, like women she do, wishy-washy. Uh, and it's, I was like, this is so ridiculous. Like, this character is such a... And she's like, oh, what does she do for a job? Um, I, I don't know, uh, makeup. She writes about makeup or uh, female stuff. It's like, uh, like this is a, a like lazy attempt at a two-dimensional, paper-flat female character. I have seen leads in Hallmark movies that have more depth than Jane and I don't even mean that dismissively to Hallmark movies because I love them but like they are not the most well-rounded characters and pretty simple pretty simple like directives to get in get out stumble into their childhood hometowns and get back into relationships with their high school boyfriends have more depth than Jane does more motivation more character development so when we were all flabbergasted to say the least that we were discovered Oh no, this is a, a a woman wrote this single. It was not like, oh, maybe maybe she didn't get enough yeah. in there. Like 
this is 100%. This is by the way, the woman who wrote this was brought in to do a rewrite on a James Bond script at one point to help flesh out the female characters. Um, that is not something I absolutely looked this up. She is the only, she was the last woman to do that until No Time to Die, uh, because Phoebe Waller Bridge came in and did like a quiet rewrite of that one, which I still have. Much better, a much better. Uh, But man, (laughs) if we want to talk about writing women well, Phoebe Waller Bridge is considerably better at that than the the writer of this movie. Un it's un it's incredible that this character, because the entire movie, like it doesn't get better. Like she is a really poorly written character yeah. and and i think again like no offense to kelly preston because i honestly do think like this is one of those things where i the character is really bad i hate i hate this character i don't know if kelly preston's very good actor in this either i think she's miscast but also i don't know what you can do with this like if you could maybe give it to like a sharon stone who like has like infinite levels of charisma maybe she can like just get something out of this but like it's really tough like what's on the page this is tough this is really tough let's go there okay so how do we add depth to a character who is made entirely out of one sheet of um paper um (laughs) you know add the most like typical possible like again i'm the male like what what can be a a challenge for this uh, female character what makes her drive what is her motivation now let me first point out a list of things um that jane has done up until this point she has packed her bags into a rental car and headed somewhere Mm -hmm. she knows not i don't know off on a weekend gallivanting because she's wasted the whole summer away at work and oh no what will she do off to do something doesn't know where she's going she'll decide when she goes um she has run (laughs) off to lakeland at the drop of a hat with no notice nothing packed overnight overnight on a whim has decided to do this uh she's had a one night stand at a hotel she has gone to baseball games with no notice she has done a great number of things that if it were a single lady about town doing these things you would not blink yeah i mean some of them are questionable decisions to make at the drop of a hat and clearly do not show a lot of like foresight on her part or Mm -hmm. planning uh or certainly not leaving any indication of where she has gone with other people because she doesn't know where she is going or when she is going so when we get a call to billy when he is in boston from jane wherein she announces that her daughter has run away and she needs his help getting her back i said excuse me because i now don't get me wrong single parents single mothers especially need to be able to have fun with their lives they need to be able to have breaks obviously this daughter goes and visits her father sometimes in boston which would leave jane time to do all of these things but you cannot tell me a single mother who had her daughter at 16 years old and therefore understands how you know responsibility works would not know where she is going on a trip to leave some kind of phone number or contact information with somebody else, would probably not make last-minute plans to leave the city. I 
it's just to add depth with such a lazy way to do it because it's very clear as the movie progresses that the character of Heather is only introduced in that one scene to give Billy a reason to understand why Jane is so resistant to being loved and how Heather very openly says she never got her romantic story and to give her, you know, a little gravitas as a human because an adult woman cannot have gravitas as a single person unless she has offspring that she gave birth to as a teen. It is the laziest form of character development because it's very obvious. I'm sorry, I'm on a rant now. It's very obvious that it wasn't a factor in any of the other scenes that were written at the beginning of the movie. Like it's not, oh, there's hints of it. Oh, I have to be home at a certain time. I'm really sorry. Or you know what? I can't make it this time, but maybe next time or any, or she sneaks away in the middle of the night and he wants to know why. And any, any plot threads that would have led to this, it's just infinitely lazy an absolute waste of Jenna Malone, who even as a child was a very talented actress. Oh, phenomenal. And yeah, phenomenal. They don't really establish how old she is. Like there's a scene where they're getting on the team airplane and the guys are guessing. Oh, which is what, what what's a, okay, by the way, that that scene. Creepy. I, I what what the hell happened there? Because I wrote that down. I, so they Billy rescues Jenna Malone from the house and they're on the plane and everybody holds up. The players in the back of the plane are holding up numbers. I'm guessing they were guessing her age because it was like 15, 16, 11. 17. Tw- and it, I'm. What? It, it was the. It so really. I don't know what was going on there, but it really creeped me out. And I don't know if that. Because like I, there was something because weird. Because there's I did no not like way it. they would have gone on the bus to the location to pick her up without somebody explaining why they were doing it. Like, there's no, like, it's not like I'm going to go pick up my underage girlfriend, because if that was the case, I would hope, even in a scenario steeped with toxic masculinity as baseball. Somebody be like, uh, Billy. Somebody would have been like, um, um. Can we not? I'll be accessories to a crime. (laughs) Skipper, could we perhaps not pick up teen prostitutes on our way to the airport? Sorry, sex workers. J.K. Simmons, can you Um, please, uh, can you please talk some sense into him? This is not your mustache. Talk some sense, please. That was objectively the worst scene in the movie. The little, and it's like every time they would put up a new number, I'm like, wait, is that what the, do I? Yeah, is I the think old, that's like, the one. Ooh, the fact that no. one of them really went eleven, and I'm, but we never really got to establish how old Heather really was. I didn't. I didn't like it. It was, it was really unsettling. Like was it supposed to be funny? Like it was, it was supposed it, to be funny. This movie really wanted to be a rock. But like, movie. what's the joke that they don't like? That she's the joke is the pedophilia. Joke? There isn't one. What's the joke? Like, is that the jo- like? Is that the joke? Like, is, like that's what my earnest question is. Like, is the joke? Then they're like, Billy, this one's awfully young. Like, like is that the joke? It's because, t- like, also, I don't get it if it was just like, is that your daughter? How old? I don't know. There is, it did not work. It just no. felt real gross. And then there was a real really gross. long diatribe about V8, which almost led me to Googling whether oh or not God. V8 is still a thing. Um, is it? I'm curious now. Talk it was like that was there was a very big, big... clear product placement, like V8. Like he explained what V8 was. Yeah, he explained the. It's almost like he was reading a tagline, and then it was like, oh, whenever I go to my dad's place, he has a big container of V8 in the fridge. I'm like, he does not. 
my dad had a two liter of Coke and would occasionally make me soup. Like, honest to God, if you have a single father, he is not stocking the fridge with a V8 for you. I, I, I wonder if V8 was struggling in like the male demographic and they're like, we need Kevin Costner to drink V8 and this is girl's dad to keep V8 in his fridge. There is a sequence so that after they get back to the, I think it's that, I think it's this, they get back to her apartment, which again, how is she affording this New York apartment? This is way too big on her, whatever. Anyway, maybe maybe Allure magazine or whatever pays really well. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of Dorothy's house from Jerry Maguire. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like how like, do you afford How does a things? single mom in LA your, afford that house? On like a like a like a lower a secretary's paid salary or whatever she was. Like a they go back there and there's a sequence, again, I think it's for comedy, but like again, Jane just like is talking to him. They like are chatting, and it's like they go from uh making eggs eating eggs, cleaning the plates with the same sentence or like the same, not same sentence, the same story. story. Yes. And it's just like, my God, this, this person is terrible. Like this Did you stop in the middle of that sentence for 14 minutes while you served the food and then picked it up, right? It's one of those editing things that's meant to make the story flow through the scene. But it, but you're like t- it, narratively like no, did everybody like, just stop? Pause and then... where she picks up at a different part of the story. It's literally like the sentences run into each other, and it's, it's really terrible. I I also had a note here that I don't fully remember, but I had a note that says shoving bread into milk? Oh! Question mark exclamation oh, mark. What's my note about that? Hold on. Uh, <laughs> I. I said WTF milk bread cup. I wanted to vomit. <laughs> Eating you with a spoon. Okay, so for context, I will not gag into the mic. At one point, is like midnight snacking at their apartment, and he's got a clear glass filled (laughs) (laughs) filled with milk and like slices of bread just soaking in the milk. And Jennifer Malone's character comes in and like gives him a look as she should, (laughs) and he's like, "Don't ask." And I'm like. You can't stop me from asking Kevin Costner because why the fuck are you shoving? <laughs> you you bread need to know. You need to explain into yourself. A cup of milk, like it's not. <laughs> I need warm milk to go to sleep. I am crying right now. It is it's so weird. Not, yeah, it is just. How did this get into the script? Unless Kevin Costner actually likes equally this questionable snack. is the scene where right after he has sex with Jane, he is under the covers at the foot of the bed and finds a flashlight, and then she goes, "That's not mine," and I'm like, "What is happening? Like what? <laughs> what?" He makes like a it's like a sex toy yeah, joke. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's, oh, it's wild. Man. It's wild. This again, another movie that in so many scenes oh. tried to be sexy. And for the most part, just was not sexy. It, it's, it's the it's the lack of sexual chemistry between these two characters. The lack of any kind of chemistry between these two actors. It's it's brutal. It's brutal. Oh my god! It's incredible how just like, and it's the whole and that's the problem. It's like so now we are into we're like well through most of the movie, and those are the good moments of their relationship. Right, because then we get we you already mentioned it after he cuts his, his slices his fingers, like quick, nearly. Quick off. shout out to the Daniel Day Kim cameo here, which was not a cameo because he wasn't like post lost well known. Uh, he is an ageless, handsome, handsome man who's I think 
two lines in this movie were, can I help you? After she goes on the most Karen rant I have ever heard in my life, she's at the hospital and she's like, is this not America? At <laughs> <laughs> that same note, is this is, not America? This not America. And I'm like, is that, was that? legitimately in this script and then she's like is baseball not america's pastime and then daniel day kim just like looks at her like lady this is colorado what the hell are you doing here and like he's like can i help you and then like later just dismisses her from getting on the helicopter to, to safety but um oh my god anyway is this not america <laughs> It's a great, it's a great line. But yeah, so then after that, you have like, you know, obviously him dealing with the fact that he may not be a pitcher again. Uh, he can't pitch again. And maybe he's struggling to struggle back. And she's like, maybe you should give up. Uh, which is like, again, like a very weird, it's a, it's a very weird thing where this character clearly loves the sport he's in. And the person who he's supposed to be like falling madly in love with is apathetic to ag- like antagonistic about the sport. And like, it's just so weird. It's so weird because like that is the, the big, big crux of um, fever pitch. But in that one, Drew Barrymore is light effervescent and charismatic. So obviously she's great, but like she also doesn't actively dis- like despise the Red Sox or baseball. It's more like, his obsession with them is what's like yeah like she thinks that it's okay that there are things they do other than baseball sometimes which is totally fine but in this it's like this guy is like a a professional baseball player that is his like that is where he makes his money that's like his life it's his passion it's his career and like we just do not see their their life their world mesh at all and so you get to now to this like so the the good times didn't work. Yeah, did not. Sell you get me. some, really, and now we get like, to the bad times. Weird montage moments too. Like there's a scene where they're playing Monopoly or something with Heather, and like he's smoking a cigar next to her child, um, openly while they're wearing top hats and like tiaras. That scene makes absolutely no sense to me. Even oh look how much fun we're having together. I'm like oh you really tried hard on that one. It's so weird. But yeah, it's like. Yeah, so now we move on, and it, it's the crux of it is this injury that he has, and I think it's a very interesting scene where he's getting onto the helicopter, and he is insisting that she call the team's athletic trainer, and he's like, "Call Mike. Mike needs to know. Mike is who I need most right now," and it's obviously meant to be like this heart-rending punch in the gut to her because he doesn't need her the most, and I'm like, "Well, no, no." Sh- Sherlock like yeah he needs the team's head athletic trainer the person responsible for his development and how he works on a day-to-day basis to know that he almost bandsawed his hand off the right-handed pitcher and he just sliced his yeah, right hand it's a deep little with a bit saw important that that person know about this immediately like I, I she's crestfallen she, he doesn't want me on the, the helicopter and he wants the guy with the team to know and he's the most important and I'm like Yes, yes, that is absolutely yeah. the case. The team that is paying this man at, after 19 years, probably something close to $20 million a season, it does need to be aware so that they can plan for this, this thing. And, and correct me if I'm wrong here, like in this movie, what's really weird is that I do not see her sacrificing much. No. 
like that's the that's a big issue is like there's a very problematic dynamic where like the right relationship how he wins is to give up who he is to become what she wants instead so it's like he needs to go to the cabin in Colorado and play monopoly with the family he needs to give up baseball he needs to stop you know traveling he needs to stop going to lakeland florida for spring training like he needs to stop making her travel to him she's a writer she can probably do remote work maybe back not back in the 90s but whatever like it's a weird thing where it's like I, why is he giving up so much for her why is she not willing to sacrifice much for him and why is the dynamic why is the film trying to tell us that like he is wrong yeah it's so weird. It's very weird. It's a very weird dynamic because we've seen a lot of romantic comedies or romantic movies in this, in, in Who's On Worst. And like none have had this level of like oil and water, like this doesn't fit at all. And like, that's including uh, Amy Adams and Justin Timberlake, which didn't work at all. But like that one at least was like, well, they both like baseball. They both, you know, can talk about old stuff. Yeah, they could compare stats from 1977. And that's that one at least made sense. Like they were like, oh, we were not going to give up who we are if we did get together. Like this doesn't even, it doesn't make any sense. It's so weird. No, there's, I, you don't a blending. really understand why they're together at all. Like I don't even know that they the like each movie. other. Like, I don't know, because she, what does he do that she can relate to and like? And he, at least, like, yeah, you see her go to games and she's obviously starting to develop a relationship with the other wives because there's a scene where they're dancing mm-hmm, and cheering. Mm-hmm. Um, he obviously goes out of his way to, like, pick up all of her work and read it. Like, you see him reading her magazine, right. like, you know, yeah. putting himself up to, I think, a little bit of good-natured ribbing in the clubhouse to be reading Elle magazine when he's working out. and. She doesn't even feel that after months of a relationship together, she can share with him that she has a kid. Like she's the one who is <sighs> openly lying through most of the beginning of this relationship. She lies about the rules. She lies mm-hmm. about why she's hesitant to get into a relationship. She lies about having a kid. Like Jane is absolutely the problem here. And yet we get this scene after he's kind of had this outrage turn where he doesn't think his hand is going to heal. Mike has kind of implied that he thinks that, Oh, if you get back to pitching instead of when, and that sets him off. And he like throws a towel at Mike. He's furious at Mike. Mike is the head athletic trainer. And then goes back to the, the, you know, their little cabana in Lakeland by the beach and loses his mind on her at which point she's like we all have things that we have to overcome and he's like oh, i want to make lemons out of lemonade and and then she gets on a plane and heads home and he does not talk to her for five months and mm-hmm. at this point i said billy is a monster because he's an absolute ass to her he it's like a weird 182 he, like and this is out of nowhere not foreshadowed in his character at all up to this point, he has been nurturing, he has been caring, he has been open to having a relationship with her daughter. He has shown that he is committed to her, even when he has like this one little moment where he has sex with somebody else. He does it literally because she's just like, follow the rules. And he's like, cool, I will. Here, Here's this opportunity. I'm not going to say no. And so he has at every turn been the perfect guy. Her kid loves him. She, he's gone out of her his way literally to save her kid mm-hmm. in a really awkward situation. And then suddenly, flip of the switch, 
it's this moment where he is just an absolute nightmare. And so after five months, he's like, oh, you know, damn, that was actually a pretty good lady. Maybe I should go try to fix that. And to do this, he shows up at a gallery, having asked her office where she is in her spare time, which is messed up, and demands to talk to her when she's there with other people. She is a little bit naturally kind of emotional at this guy from five months in the past that she loved showing up out of the blue to be like, hey, what's up? And she's there on a date. And Billy is like upset. He's like, you're on a date. You're seeing someone. And he's like, why couldn't you just lay that all out at the beginning? And she's like, my dude, you haven't talked to me in five months. You stormed in here. The first thing I did when I saw you is walk away to cry. So, so sorry. I didn't, you know, spill all of the details of my personal life to you in the first three seconds you were in this room. Uh, But you're an absolute nightmare person and I don't want to see you anymore. And again, completely out of his character. Like he's just an absolute jerk. Like he's rude. It's because the script needs it. Like it's, that's the problem is that it's like, they need to be madly in love at this point. It's like, should we show that? Should we like build it through narrative or or visual like series of images strung together and and edited or montage? Like, no, 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 no. Just, it'll happen. tell, Tell, don't show. It's just, they now have to be against each other. Yeah. And it's just like, let's have a quick scene what is like it's it's just for the convenience yeah it's entirely convenient to the plot where her new boyfriend talks about baseball for a little bit he doesn't seem like quite the jerk but that scene was unbearable yeah no he seemed fine he seemed totally fine (laughs) like a normal guy the only reason that scene happened and i made a note at the beginning of the movie that the entire arc of the romantic plot of this movie could have been resolved and made irrelevant by these two just talking to each other um because it's literally like he's bent into this tailspin because she's running off to london for her dream job and she's leaving oh oh sorry i'm playing to catch a six peace out and she would have told him sooner but she decided not to show up to their date the night before uh for reasons uh and then sit in his hotel lobby for two hours but not tell him she's there for reasons and then tell him she's there and then leave and wander off to central park for reasons and then tell him she's leaving. Bye, gotta go. So this could have all been resolved. And he probably could have made advanced decisions on his own retirement before even learning the team was being sold at age 40. If he found out that this woman he loves is moving away, they could have discussed it. He could have been like, yeah, you know what? I've been absent and, you know, kind of a terrible boyfriend, but I'm 40 and feeling the pain of this pitching thing, why don't I finish out this season and meet you in London? Movie is already over. Like, yeah, tidally wrapped Super up. Super normal. But because the last time he saw her, he was a tool, they haven't spoken. So couldn't get over that, couldn't deal with it. She couldn't have possibly told him on the phone the day before when they made dinner plans. <sighs> because communication it's, is it's just, hard. It's really, it's just super bad. It's it's such a, it, like the, the movie requires you to care about these two's relationship. And I don't, I don't like it. They're, they're not good together. I am bored by their relationship. They have no chemistry. Yeah, no, it sucks. The, the romantic plot was like one of the worst in like, in, in like a lot of films. Like that's, the, that's like, it's a really, yeah. it's just dead. It's dead on the wall. It's like dead on arrival. Like, yeah. don't, don't have any, Interest in seeing these two continue. There was more feeling behind Heather seeing him sitting at a cafe in Los Hmm. Angeles and going, oh, I miss you. 
And like, kind of, you got the feeling that she had actually really clung to that relationship when she was a bit younger. And like, it meant something to her. And props to Jenna Malone for maybe being the only one to bring any emotion to that entire trifecta of, of people. But because later you see her watching the game and you truly believe, I think, that Heather is invested in watching what happens with Billy pitching this perfect game. And that's on, you know, somebody actually doing the most with what they were given. Mm-hmm. Here's my question to you uh, and to you too, Brett. So un- unmute thyself. Um, what do you think of the ending, which the terrible speech and all that? Do you think they went to England or do you think that she stayed for no reason whatsoever uh, because he no longer has a baseball job, um, but they're just like making out on the floor of the airport. Everybody's boarding the plane. Um, why did I get the feeling watching that scene that suddenly she wouldn't go to London? Because who wouldn't want to move to sunny, beachy Lakeland, Florida with Billy Chapel <laughs> as he retires? His, his cabin is in the Colorado woods, my friend. He is where, where the snow lives. At the beach. I, I didn't, I guess I didn't even think about that part of it. I, the whole ending, just like, I, I was so like annoyed. And I just was like, all right, they're just going to get together and it's happily ever after. But it wasn't earned. Um, I, I guess I could see them staying, but like, I felt like he, he, he wrapped his up. So it's like, I, I feel like the whole character thing was like, he needed to give up the, the, like that, the thing that made him most in love and to then give himself entirely to something else. And so she would take over. My favorite part of that scene was all the other passengers looking really annoyed with them as they made out on the floor while they all walked past um that was the most honest part of that entire scene as far as i'm concerned so huge shout out to those extras (laughs) yeah that was well the the extra work in this movie was really good like at the bar at the at the game at yankee stadium in the airport like the extras did a great job sammy Remy knows how to get the most out of bit bit roles like all of the guys at the bar watching the game at the airport that was really good yeah Okay, so do you have anything else you want to vent about with the writing, which was generally terrible? Are we done kind of bashing? I think I think we've well well worn that. We can we can transition to the conclusion, but that, that it's just rough. I, I've got one scene uh, with J.K. Simmons talking to Billy as he warms up before his, this start in Yankee Stadium, uh, and it's like they had no idea who was going to pitch. He had not set the starting lineup; like he hadn't decided which catcher was going to pitch. He wants to bring up to his superstar veteran, sounds like face of the franchise pitcher, that who has a catcher, and a lot of these <laughs> types of pitchers have a catcher. John Lester had David Ross in the, on the Cubs run. This is like not an uncommon thing. Garrett Cole had Kyle Higashioka. Not an uncommon thing for big-time pitchers. And you're telling him as he's warming up, oh, yeah, we're actually not going to give you your pitch. Like, as he's throwing pitches. It's not even like he told him. He was and, and, and we know how much of like yeah, the how mental. You, yeah, how, do you, how do you feel about this? We know how much of like the game is mental for Billy Chapel, and that feels like something that would completely throw him off his game if you're trying to tell him that he's not going to be throwing to Gus. Uh, maybe like 30 minutes before his start doesn't seem like the best plan from J.K. Simmons, the manager. It's it's also like it's the end of the season. The Tigers are going nowhere. Who gives a crap? Like I get it. he tries to say like we're not going to roll over for the Yankees. It's like who gives a crap? Yeah. Like, who cares? Having watched a lot of Tigers games in the last four years, start, I can tell start you. Start the other guy. I can, I can tell <laughs> Start you. the other guy for the rest of the time. 
Yeah. All right. Let's take a quick break, center ourselves and find new peace. And when we come back, we'll talk about what worked, what didn't, and uh, make our picks for uh, the uh, players we'd like to see on the Rays. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So we, we've talked a little bit about how accurate the baseball feels in this movie. Um, but I do think that perhaps we have overlooked something um, that pops up onto the screen just as the game is beginning. And I know both Darby and Brett lost their minds. This was shared in our group chat. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Billy Chappell's stat line. Yeah, Billy, the, they have his like season stats, right? He uh, eight and 11, uh, you know, wins don't matter for pitchers. So that's fine. Eight and 11. ERA, three, five, five. Pretty good. Pretty solid yeah. ERA. That age, yeah. Yeah. Third pitched in 30 games, started 30 games, two complete games, one shutout. Fantastic. 211 innings, good innings, eater. Three, 211 innings and 355 ERA. That's great. That's a lot. That's a lot of innings. Not that uncommon in, in 1999, though. For yeah. some definitely, to go 211. You know, today it's unheard of. Um, but then this is where like you got some eye openers. He has 111 strikeouts. So 111 strikeouts in 200 innings is rough. Not great. Pitch it, really pitching to contact. A-Rod's favorite pitcher. When he's he's pitching to contact, when he's not. Throwing balls. Because he has 98 walks. He has 98 walks and 111 strikeouts. That, that is horrible. He doesn't strike out anybody. He's clearly walks a ton of people. So he's bad command. That is almost a one-to-one ratio. That is um, not good. Awful. Not good. That is truly terrible. It's like at the very least, okay, you can be a guy, like, like a Ryan Yarbrough type, or back in the day, like Jamie Moyer, if you don't have your stuff anymore, if you don't have elite stuff, you can't strike out a ton of people, that's fine. You got to at least throw strikes, right? You can't give people extra base. You can't give free bases. So the fact that he is not striking out people, but also giving up walks is incredible. Now, he has gotten lucky this season at 3.55 ERA, but oh boy, that is uh, that is some some very fortunate luck on Billy's yeah. season. That's a rough. That's a that's a time to hang it up. And if the Giants would be silly enough to trade for him, then Godspeed to them. Good good um, job. Tigers. I would love to see like his his Sierra or his FIP. I think would be pretty interesting. I mean, he must be getting every double play. You know, he's walking guy like a three five five ERA over that many innings. That's that's we. I think we downplayed that a little bit. That's incredible. Like that is. It's an amazing yeah, like season. Yeah, that sort of run prevention. But how? 98 walks? None of those guys are scoring. What is going on? By the way, 100 walks, 100 walks in 200 innings is not good. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that it's coupled with no strikeouts but, but maybe, is I mean, really bad. We saw it bad. on display, even Billy Chapel himself making some amazing defensive plays in this perfect game. Maybe the Detroit Tigers were just rolling out this incredible defensive alignment. We know they have a glove first catcher in Gus 
whatever his last name was, who can't hit. Yep. None of these yep, guys can that's hit. True. They only scored one run against the Yankees in this game. But they play incredible defense. <laughs> and it was the, Gus. The team ERA is through the roof, and all their pitchers stink. Not through, <laughs> not through the roof. Oh not through the roof. God. The opposite of through the roof. It is low. Through the Man. floor. It is in the basement. <laughs> Oh my God. Oh. Yeah, that was beautiful, special, a true gift, I think, to baseball fans to be able to look at that and go, oh, maybe it really is time this guy retires. It, it was definitely the time. It was definitely like, I was like, Eesh. I think it yeah. also kind of demonstrates, like, if you're actually looking at it, how remarkable it is that he actually got away with a perfect game for a man that walks that many batters. This season. would be, you would never have expected yeah, this. Yeah, like, I think he. This. He caught most of his strikeouts for the season in that game. That's my, that's the, I think that's maybe my favorite thing for this movie too, because that's also my favorite thing in any sports movie is when they show like a stat yeah. line. Cause I'm always like, all right, let's see, let's see how you did here. And, and <laughs> cause you, you get to make this up. It's completely your imagination. Well, but like, there's a eesh. scene too where he's at dinner with Jane and he's just like, oh yeah. But he's, she's like, oh yeah, I guess sometimes you lose. And he's like, yeah, 147 times. And she's like, you count them? And like I liked his response to that. He's like, "Yeah, it's baseball. We count everything, and I mean everything." That's great, and I'm yeah. like, "Yeah, okay, well, I got you. That's good." Oh, that um, was a great so speaking of things that are good, um, let's get into I think what we liked about the movie because there are some things. Um, I think we've kind of bashed into the ground the things we didn't like, so I'm not going to focus on that too much. Obviously, the writing, Jane, there were some problems. Um, my choice i i pick i had three characters in this movie that i thought were flawless perfection every minute of that they were on the screen was the greatest minute of my life um number one the cabbie who is taking jane to the airport and she tells him hey can you turn this off as he's listening to the game on the radio and he pauses for the perfect heartbeat of a second uh, and then goes no yeah that was my other audible 90- laugh uh, from yeah. the movie yeah. Just deadpan. I'm 99% sure that that guy also played the reoccurring cabbie character in How I Met Your Mother, um, but I would have to double check. But uh, I'm going to look that up when you guys are sharing. Um, perfection. Just no. And I'm like, yep, that's a New York cabbie. Bless his heart. Because um, <laughs> he's just like, I'm not turning this game off for anybody. Uh, my second favorite character, perfect character in this movie was Vin Scully. Uh, who I will go to the grave saying wrote his own lines, except for the ones that were terrible. But that last um, sequence where he was talking about Billy Chapel, you know, raising the mm. sun on one more day of summer. Oh, that was, that was Vin Scully. Perfect. Beautiful. I loved every second of it. And the third perfect character in this movie was JK Simmons playing a baseball manager uh, because Every second the screen was zoomed in on his face or he's like chewing his gum really intensely and his eyes are darting around. His mustache is wiggling furiously. I'm like, that is a baseball manager. That is a baseball manager to his core. I could see this man standing in a dugout anywhere in baseball without question. Uh, I think J.K. Simmons actually is a huge Tigers fan in real life, if I am not mistaken. I would have to double check on that, but I'm pretty sure he's a Detroit native and is a Tigers fan, and I'm not making that up. Uh, I know Jeff Daniels is, but I think J.K. Simmons is too. I'm pretty, I'm like 99.9% sure of that. So that must have been like a dream for him. Like he was probably like living large, being a Tigers manager, trying to like channel his inner Sparky and like <laughs> really bring that to the screen. And I think he did just a tremendous job. Um, and so those, and there's a great scene right towards the end of Billy's um, game. I think he's got like, you know, only a couple innings left. and He's really like, 
he's gassed. You can see his arm hurts. It's it's kind of winding down. Manager wants to know if it's time to take him out of the game. So he goes out to see him on the mound. And he's like, what do you want me to do, Billy? And Billy's like, I want you to smile and nod and pat me on the rear and head back to the dugout. And so there's like this moment between them all. And he like then he kind of like gruffly starts to walk away. And my absolute favorite line, favorite moment in this entire movie is where Billy casually goes, where's my pat? and jk simmons comes back to the pitcher's mound gives him a little (laughs) slap on the rear and he's like good and then walks back to the dugout and i'm like yes that that was the brilliant perfect beautiful moment absolutely loved it um those were like my shining great moments in this those were the parts that i really really liked and as you can see there were not many i said uh, one of my least favorite that i haven't mentioned yet is there's a line where kevin costner is granted three questions to kelly preston's character <clears throat> and asks boring ones like where are you from uh, what are the notepads in your purse for and then asks what i posit is the most revolting pickup line i have ever heard in my entire life uh, men of the world take it to heart and never say this to a woman ever and that is how do you like to be kissed because uh, uh, not with a mouth that said those words kevin costner that is how oh uh, uh. it's similar to like the ice uh ice rink scene in serendipity where it's like uh kate beckinsale's character is like oh what's your favorite sex position oh. like out of nowhere to john cusack yeah it was, it was awkward this is what you get for dating a man with pleated pants who drinks <laughs> bread cup bread milk yeah <laughs> oh my gosh that should have been a deal breaker there's a lot of red flag deal breakers in this what kind of daughter did not report back to her mother and say listen this man is a problem Um, (laughs) why isn't she like waking up in the morning going why are there so many crumbs in my glasses what is all this like kevin cost did kevin costner's agent read this script and not be like this scene kevin can't play Costner unless kevin costner we, actually we, enjoyed it is that a yeah that's eating? i cannot get a, a cup of bread milk that feels like at that point especially for kevin costner like you're a big enough star that you can be like we're gonna get rid of it we're gonna switch this out for cereal we're gonna we're gonna make it cereal or like yeah at least make it something maybe he does it like right before a start maybe to make it like, like the quirky pitcher <laughs> thing no it was middle oh of the night God. snack Bread milk. At least no. toast the bread. Yeah, that toasting wouldn't help that. Why would that help like, that? Oh, no, it doesn't. But it doesn't There's, make it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Milk. I'm trying to make excuses for this, <laughs> this stupid scene that added nothing to I, the There is a. Uh, so, so here's the thing with the bread milk. This is, is going to be a small aside because I've already covered what I loved, which is the baseball parts of it in that ninth inning and what I hated, which was everything with the romantic relationship. But bread milk, I actually does get another little special mention because oh, there no. is. Uh, so there. I worked at a park and we basically did a living history thing where you basically, you know, dress up in characters uh, from the past and pretend to be those characters. And for the rap party, there is a thing where you, they reference something called a roly poly, which is as described by the character, this is like back in the 1800s uh, of like fresh biscuit dough uh, with, with uh, fresh picked blueberries rolled together, served with a heavy cream. Right. 
Sounds delicious, actually. Sounds basically like a blueberry scone with whipped cream. Beautiful. So the very first year of this event, or the very first year I was at this park for this event, I'm like excited because everyone's like, oh, you you actually, we were actually going to serve early polies afterwards to the cast like at, at the end. I'm like, oh, that sounds awesome. I love this. What they ended up serving to everybody was a, a uh, like a solo cup with a slice of bread, like a wheat bread oh, no. in the solo cup filled with half and half. And then with some blueberries tossed in there. Oh, no. And a spoon. And, and, uh, so when I saw in this movie, um, Billy eating milk and bread or dunking it, I, uh, I had some very, very bad flashbacks and it unsettled me to the core because that I was like, you know what? I'll give it a shot. And let me tell you, it did sound disgusting. It is trust that instinct. It was terrible. Don't ever do it. Don't ever make something like that. It's awful. Oh God. That sounds revolting. Oh my God, Brett! Any opinions on anything you actually liked about this movie? I loved Billy Chapel and Gus Sinski's uh, pitcher catcher relationship. Um, I thought Gus Sinski we could have used more of him in this movie um, and less of Jane Aubrey. Um, I enjoyed the bromance with that um, the, the, those battery mates, and would have liked to explore that a little bit further. Their relationship as teammates uh, because that was fun. Um, and I thought his like all of Billy's relationship with his teammates, both current and former, was great. Um, but a lot of those flashbacks were cut short, um, and instead were replaced with more scenes between Billy and Jane, uh, which were less enjoyable. Um, yeah, that is that was my take on the movie, the baseball. I actually really, really liked it. And it, this movie might have done baseball better in terms of like the game and the d- dugout and locker room stuff better than any other movie we've seen. So everything else ruined it, though, for me. I also really liked uh, it, it's it's an underuse of his talents and it's a very small scene. But I did actually think also you have Brian Cox uh, as the owner, Gary Wheeler. Yeah. And his, his scene with Kevin Costner is also really good. I mean, because, again, you got you got Brian Cox like that's he's phenomenal and. Um, he did great in his scene. He crushed the one scene he was in. He seemed like a very sweet owner and like the type of guy you'd really want to work for. And yeah, um, he, yeah, he does seem like the kind of guy who actually cared. I think what happened to his players and that Mike Illich mold. Yeah, he for is sure. very. Yeah. So it kind of was a suitable pick to have him as like a Tigers owner because it was very much in the bent. I think of the real owner that the Tigers had at that point as well. So it, you know, I think this is. It, it understood the assignment, so to speak, in that sense. Um, but everything else kind of fell apart. Um, so as we wrap up, our favorite thing to do is to pick one player from the movie that we would like to put on the Rays roster, um, which is, of course, difficult in a movie all about AL East rivals um, or former AL East contender teams. Uh, I let you guys go first because I actually did not put a lot of thought into this while watching the movie because nobody really stood out that much. It's not great. It's it's not a great uh, collection. Uh, not obviously not Billy with those stats. Mm. My God, um, I was I was going to I was gonna think Sam Tuttle with his thirty nine home runs, thinking that has some pretty good power. Uh, but then he tried to drop down a bunt. And it's not just to like break up the perfect game. He was like trying to bunt for a hit. And it's like, listen, you have 39 home runs. Do what you're good at. Swing away. What are you doing here? Um, And apparently he actually hits Billy pretty well. So like, I don't know. That was bad. So you know what? I, 
when in doubt, get some defenders. And clearly, clearly, as we talked about, the Tigers' defense must have been amazing to be able to salvage Billy Chapel starts with the amount of disaster his stat line would suggest. And uh, I, you know what? I'm totally fine. You know, the, there was a bit of an error, the ball off the head. That's a, you know what? He took it in good nature and he still kept playing hard and he made the great catch in that game. So give me Mickey Hart. Love it. Let's get him into the yeah. outfield. Hart's a solid choice. Brett, what you got? Um, I've taken several catchers, I think, throughout the show. And uh, I'm going to go with Gus Sinski again. I'm a sucker for a glove first catcher. I don't care if you can hit a lick. And, but he, got, he came up with a, a hit in a big game, which ended up uh, allowing Kevin Costner or Billy Chapel to finish his perfect game. And uh, I just love John C. Riley. The like the John C. Riley like confused face is just hilarious. And so I'd love to have him on the Rays. So I'll go with Gus Sinski. Yeah, I uh, I I feel like Gus would be a solid choice. I do love me a uh, plucky catcher, somebody you can really love, even if they're not great at the bat. If only you could have him kind of like Mike Zunino style, where he's terrible at the the singles, but will wallop you a good thirty one home runs in a season. That would be a plus. Wouldn't mind that situation. Um, I think I'm just gonna go broadly and say that either the the second or third baseman who I think had names, but I don't know what they were. I'm pretty sure they're just credited as Detroit Tiger in the movie. Um, They made some pretty game saving um, throws to first in that game. Um, So I would take either one of them. If Brett has already grabbed us uh, some Gus, Uh, I think there was a lot to work with there, but definitely not Billy. And I wanted to say J.K. Simmons as the manager for a second there, but yeah, Brett made some solid choices, solid observations. I think about him really leaving his lineup to the last minute and then letting his catchers be dictated by his pitchers. So I also want to say one, one little thing there is actually, this movie does have a Tampa Bay double Ray active player at the time of filming this movie. Oh, in the film uh, playing relief pitcher is Dave Island. I see who uh, <laughs> the manager for the Yankees for, for and uh, Kansas city Royals and the Mets as a coach, not a manager is just a pitching coach and uh pitch for the Tampa Bay double race from 1998 to 2000. So while he acted as a relief pitcher, for the fictional Detroit Tigers, he was also pitching for the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. Oh, well, that's amazing. I didn't know this was a thing, but Sunday Night Baseball is listed on Dave Island's uh, IMDb. Credits. Like, <laughs> it's like a self-acting credit where it's like he's listed as a pitcher, as a pitching coach. Hey, he was a pitching coach with the Yankees for a little bit. I don't know. It's kind of funny. He actually, he uh, he had a solid, he had 80, 80 innings pitched, 15 starts, interestingly enough. Uh, a 5.94 Ks per nine and a 3.02 walks per nine. So very Billy Chapel-esque uh, uh, there. And a 560 ERA, but with a 423 FIP and a worth 1.4 wins above replacement. <laughs> not, not bad, Dave Island. And, and real quick, I found something similar, uh, a similar pitcher to Billy Chapel from the 1999 season. This movie came out in 1999. A veteran in his age 40 season. Oral Hershiser, in 1999, threw 179 innings over 32 starts. He had a 4.58 ERA, so not nearly as good as Billy's 3.55, but still 4.58. I don't know where that was compared to the average in 1999, but he had 89 strikeouts over 179 innings and 77 Mm. walks. 
So very similar K to walk ratio um, from age 40 from a great pitcher in Oral Horshire. Wow. That's, that's pretty cool. I like that. Good find. Nice. All right. Well, I think that just about wraps up our very opinionated opinions on For Love of the Game. Um, for those who have kind of been following along with the genesis of this podcast and its beginnings, um, For Love of the Game was actually mentioned very high up the list in my article about worst baseball movies of all time. I think it might have no, I think Trouble with the Curve took the top cake there, but I definitely mentioned this one. Um, so this is a movie that really kind of solidified the path that brought us to this podcast. So if we are going to thank it for anything, let it be that. Um, and do not watch it. <laughs> I mean, like watch it, but maybe fast forward all of the romance parts and only watch the baseball parts. I think if you're going to... If Topher Grace has cut together just the baseball parts, then... Yeah. I, I think if there cut. was like an all baseball cut for love of the game, I, I would absolutely watch that. Like again, once maybe hashtag release the baseball, yeah, cut. release the baseball cut, uh, Sam Raimi, do it. Um, give, give the people what they want. No, no romance, just baseball. Um, Lots of baseball and extra blood. Just <laughs> two things. This is the actual scene of Kevin Costner taking his hand half off and then all the baseball outtakes that that's all we want projectile vomiting somehow work that in there i'm sure after the the eating the the bread and the after the bread milk yeah okay (laughs) oh jesus uh so with that this has been who's on worst uh i've been ashley joined by darby and brett i have no idea what we're watching next if we're feeling brave we will perhaps shoot that to the masses on the internet and i'm sure you will suggest something absolutely atrocious for us to view um which is what we like so until next time have a great day bye